Welcome to Creators by Moonlight. Real conversations with content creators. Nastasia Marquez is a voiceover artist from Austin, Texas. In 2015, she started in the industry with an entry-level microphone and no connections, and has since completed over 4,000 projects. In this episode, she talks about her many career changes, the future of the voiceover industry, and the mindset needed for a creative career. I've lived most of my life here in Texas, and for the past seven years, eight years, I've been in the Austin area. I was on a totally different life path, even up through when I graduated college. I got my degrees in criminal justice and psychology, so I was headed more for like the FBI or the CIA, and I was getting connections that way. After college, the economy was a little bit rough. The company that I was slated to work for stopped hiring because, you know, gas wasn't doing too well in Texas, so our economy was suffering. And then the world wasn't quite, it wasn't what I thought it was. You know, growing up in school, I feel like school and high school and college, they don't really prepare you for the actual world. It's like you're always living in this bubble. And then once you're in the real world, it's a totally different picture than what you thought it was going to be. I was kind of you know, confused about what I was going to do, confused about where I was in life. And I had never really given myself permission or been given permission to seek out something that I was passionate about. It was kind of that, you know, story that a lot of people have where you feel the need to do something that's safe and secure and is going to bring money in. And that's the path that I originally was following. And it didn't turn out to be as safe and secure as, you know, I thought it was going to be. I have thought about this a lot, and I know that a lot of people of my generation kind of feel the same way about how, you know, we grew up in the system. My thoughts of it are kind of like, we kind of follow what our parents are guiding us to do, but society and the way that the economy functions changes from generation to generation. And our parents grew up in a model where the corporate world was the secure, stable world, where corporations invested in their employees and you had a lot of benefits working for a corporation. And through that, corporations mandated that you had college degrees. And back then, college degrees made sense, you know, I mean, and they still do for things like engineering and becoming a doctor and things like that. But I think the whole system changed so drastically on many fronts. You know, we all see what happened with student loans and how gross and aggressive they became, where now you have people showing up to high schools, talking to a bunch of kids who don't know anything about life and convincing them to sign themselves up for the only type of debt that you can't declare bankruptcy on and it will follow you your entire life. And you're signing tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars away before you even know how life works, before you even know who you are. You know, it's that kind of system. By the time that I was graduating, the corporate culture had also changed. You know, corporations these days, they don't care as much about their employees as perhaps they did a generation or two ago. The economy has changed as well. Now, I believe that we live in the age of the freelancer. And I think that's absolutely incredible because people have so much more control and decision and autonomy over their lives, over the kind of work that they want to do, where they work, when they work, how they work. 
And I love that. But it's definitely something that I think everyone in our generation has to make the decision and fight for. And that's what everyone's been doing because we were kind of sold this bill of goods with, you know, if you don't go into college, you'll never be able to get a job and you will never be able to make money to support yourself if you're not in a corporate environment. I was never taught about trade skills, which can be extremely lucrative and are a fraction of the cost to get trained in and a fraction of the time to get out and working. I think everyone had the idea that if you go into the arts, you're going to be poor and starving. And that starving artist idea was always kind of like pounded into you that you can't do something that you're passionate about. You need to be behind a desk in a white collar. And that's the only way to make money. So yeah, I think that played a huge role in how I grew up and the idea I had about the world. After college, I decided that I was going to try a lot of different things and just find myself. And, you know, I tried a lot of things. I tried writing like little books and seeing if they sell on Amazon. I tried inventing ideas and selling them to companies. And I was just trying to find out how the world worked and how to approach things. And voiceover was one of the things that I decided to pick up during that time. I guess my objective was I was just going to throw darts at the board and see what stuck and what really kept me in my seat to figure out all of those problems that you run into when you're starting something from scratch with no information or direction on how to do it. I was always interested in acting, and I just assumed everybody thought that that was an awesome career path and that it wasn't feasible. But at this point in my life, I was like, you know what, whatever, I'm going to do whatever makes me happy and just try to find myself. So I bought a microphone. I never used a microphone before. I never used any kind of software. And I just started teaching myself. And that's kind of how I got into it. After trying out various careers and gigs, Nastasia became convinced that voiceover was indeed the path she should follow. But getting started from scratch was difficult. And success took longer than expected. After you've found yourself, then it seems so obvious, right? And whenever you hear people talk about something that they were always meant to do and they found it, it sounds almost like it was a straight path for them the whole time. Looking back, like little things that make sense. I loved reading out loud. So I would almost force my little sister to sit and listen to me read her books. Whether she wanted it or not, I wanted to read out loud to somebody. If someone in junior high got to do a speech and I was in the audience, I would sit there like, oh, I could do that speech so much better. You know, like those kinds of things. I always like was drawn to express myself in a certain way. And I was drawn to vocalizing and I was always interested in theater, even though I never pursued it because I thought that it wasn't really something I could do. At the same time, whenever you're trying to find yourself, you have a million instances like that, you know, like I also liked painting and I also liked creating things just on my own and like making up stories. So if I became a writer, it would be easy to look back and see all the clues along the path for that. Or I liked solving problems and, you know, looking back, it would have been easy to find all the clues for that as well. So it's in a way it was sort of random, but in another way, it's kind of like just picking up on things, small things within yourself, like the little seeds that are there and seeing what you get most excited about growing. And whenever you run into roadblocks, what are you determined enough to work through versus when does your passion wane with something else? I probably bought my microphone in 2015. 
I had never used a microphone before, and especially back then, there wasn't any information online except maybe like one website that taught you about how to get into the industry. And I knew nothing about the industry, absolutely nothing. Like I said, I had never even done a play before. I never had a theater teacher. I knew nothing about nothing. And I knew nobody who could help me with it. At the same time, interestingly enough, voiceover has gone through such a revolution over the past 15 years that I was at the very beginning of it. So people who were in the industry were kind of panicking because they didn't know how to approach the industry anymore. As soon as people were able to start having at-home studios and as soon as the freelance age began, it was like all the cards were thrown in the air and nobody knew how to navigate, how to get jobs, how to go about it unless they were already very established in the industry and were regularly working. And even they didn't know how to adjust whenever they couldn't find a job through their agent. So it took me quite a bit of learning, even soundproofing a studio, which is, you know, an audio engineer has an entire degree to understand that kind of stuff. I didn't know any of that. So it was a lot of trial and error for definitely the first year. I booked my first gig almost immediately. And I think that's kind of what gave me like that spark to say like, okay, I can do this. But by year two, I tried to go full time and I still hadn't figured it out yet. And I failed miserably and I had to go and get a job. And then I worked a job while working voiceover for another two years and figured out how to build up that momentum and get a consistent income before I could quit my daytime job. So it was like I had two full-time jobs for like two, two and a half years before I quit and was able to go full-time and completely support myself. It absolutely felt like me, myself, and I, especially because it's terrifying whenever you're doing something like that and nobody in your family understands what you're doing. They don't know They're terrified that you're going to fail miserably because almost everyone has this idea about the artistic industry being non-lucrative and everyone's just afraid that you're going to fail because they have no idea what any of that looks like, you know, and to them it's not something that's feasible. Yeah, it was definitely just me and all agents completely ignored me. All of my cold calling efforts, I didn't quite know how to approach it, but I wasn't getting a whole lot back from that either. I didn't know where to set my expectations of how to understand whether something is working or not, which is huge to know where to set your expectations when you're beginning something new. The only way that I kind of dealt with it was, I guess it's just kind of in my personality and I have such a low tolerance for something that's not meant for me. So I guess like my internal compass speaks so strongly to me that whenever I find myself in a place that I don't belong, I know it immediately. So any job that I had other than voiceover, the day I started, I had one foot out the door and it was obvious to everyone around. I wouldn't decorate my office. I would be there the hours I needed to be there. I was hyper productive so I could get everything done before everyone else. Like it was so obvious that I didn't want to invest myself where I knew I didn't belong. So no matter how difficult it was to navigate and figure things out on my own, there was no other choice for me. It was something that I had to do. Instead, I started looking online for people that I felt were like me or people that were answering the questions that I was looking for answers to. 
Tony Robbins was someone that I listened to early on because he would talk about business and marketing quite a bit. And it was just kind of like if I woke up in the morning and I didn't know what to do to work on my business and I just needed someone to like kick me in my butt and make me feel like it was possible and give me that drive, then I would like wake up and listen to something like that and then just have that mindset for the rest of the day of like, well, I've got to figure it out. The first job I got was for an audiobook, and I got paid like $700 for it. The language of the industry is unique to itself. So whenever it comes to setting rates and understanding time investment and time commitment and things like that, there's no way to learn about it until you do it. So I was like, oh my gosh, $700, that's incredible, you know, because I had quit my corporate job that I had found because I was miserable there. And I was like, I'd rather be a broke server than spend another day in the office. So I was definitely 1000% broke and not making it on my bills. And $700 was a game changer for me. But I quickly learned the time commitment and how things are different with different types of voice projects. So that first project, I was so excited about the money. And then after that, it was like, how do I book another project and how do I do it consistently? And how do I think about the industry? The hardest part is getting that spark to start your fire in the beginning. After it's going, you just need to add wood and that's the easy part. But like to start that snowball from scratch was so challenging when you have zero experience, no idea what is looked at for a portfolio, no idea how to put together a demo and to do everything from scratch. Nastasia credits a mindset shift, as well as improving her knowledge about the industry, with allowing her to achieve consistent success in voiceover. The turning point was whenever I changed my mentality and started to understand how to approach business, as opposed to just trying to figure out how to make money. After I had failed trying to go full-time the first time, and I found myself in a job that was paying the bills. It was a government job. Like it didn't pay well. I was working at least 10 hours overtime every single week and it was a high stress job, but it was consistent money. So once that was spoken for, then I was able to let myself breathe for a second and start over at the drawing board of like, how am I going to approach this industry and how do I make it work? And whenever I started to think like a business person, and think from the mind of who my ideal clientele would be and understand what the playing field looked like, which even today, many seasoned voice actors don't understand because they grew up in the age of like agents were the gatekeepers of all voiceover projects. And that's not how the world is today. Then whenever I started to understand what that playing field looked like, then I was able to strategize for that playing field and that's when things started to change. So after that second year, when I got a new job and I you know, decided to reapproach everything from a new angle, I was working consistently. And over the course of those two years, it was just a matter of increasing my pay rate to the point where I could go full time. The majority of us except for, you know, elites who go to preparatory school and they learn about business and things that they don't teach you in the public system. I think that learning how the economy works in a different way is paramount to growing in a way that is different from the vast majority of people. And we are so used to this direct exchange of money that we 
so easily miss the importance of when and how to invest and understanding that money is such a small part of the equation to growing a business, which will ultimately get money because everyone's so focused on like, well, I need money for this and I need money to pay my bills and how am I going to do anything without money? And it's like you're missing so many key elements that when you start to focus on those, the money will come without you trying so hard. Since achieving a steady stream of success, Nastasia has completed over 4,000 voiceover projects, including those for major corporate clients, audiobooks, and video games. I do anything and everything. So I do a lot of video games. I always make sure I have at least one audiobook in the works. I do a lot of commercial. I do a bit of corporate and internal projects, award ceremonies, you know, podcast intros and outros, things for people's YouTube channels, passion projects. There's even more in the industry to get into. Like there's promo work, there's narration work, you know, that kind of stuff. And I do all of it. There is definitely a technique for all of it in each single one. All of them are unique unto themselves and how you approach them. But my philosophy is kind of, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Not necessarily that I'm thinking about it as a just-in-case scenario, but I like the diversity, and they all have different types of pay scales. So I've kind of structured my business to have the momentum and the security, knowing that something's always going to be coming in, and I understand how those different niches in the industry work. So that kind of builds a portfolio of income for me. 2020 was the busiest year I ever had because everything film-related was canceled, so they needed voiceover for everything. So it was like 2020 was drinking from the water hose for me. I couldn't keep up enough with the amount of work that I was getting. And the voiceover industry is growing hand over fist every single year in almost every single industry. You know, with people now working remote, then you have corporations that are investing in more e-learning as opposed to hiring trainers where you're going to meet them in an office. With more and more people listening to audiobooks whenever they're going about their daily tasks, that's growing. So now you have more authors looking for people to read their audiobooks, people doing more podcasts, and people just getting more involved in technology, video games, you know, anything that you can think of that has audio related to it. Chances are there's, you know, a spot for voiceover and it's just growing every single year. I am definitely trying to figure out how to manage <laughs> my workload. I'm so incredibly busy that it can get overwhelming, but I know that it's just a matter of getting my energy right and getting my mindset right and making the decisions for my business that will help alleviate some of my time. So right now I'm in an acting class, which basically takes a full day every week. And then I have a singing class that I'm in every single week. And then now I have an amazing management team that I'm doing full-time work for. You know, I'm usually doing like 12 auditions for them a day, which can be very time-consuming. And then I have the business that's making regular money for myself, which is also very busy. In terms of keeping, I know how to keep projects coming. In terms of siphoning them off, that's where I'm trying to figure out my trick of how I'm going to do that. But it's kind of like an ecosystem, you know, and if you're looking at your garden, knowing what things to do regularly that will pay off in the future. I spent a lot of time building up a personal client list and then figuring out how I want to touch base with them and communicate with them to remind them that I'm still alive 
to keep those projects still coming in. So I pop into their head whenever they're thinking of someone for the project. And then, you know, working on different voiceover platforms, like how to set my rates just so, so I'm not cutting off the majority of the size of clientele while still respecting my time and the pay rate that I'm working at to make that avenue worth it. And then taking as much time as I can with the auditions because the auditioning is the job once you get to those higher levels of the industry. So in terms of that work-life balance, I'm trying to figure it out still, but just kind of, you know, understanding the ecosystem and understanding where to put your investments regularly, that will keep the water moving smoothly and have that nice flow. Nastasia talks about staying motivated and the future of the voiceover industry. Early on, I asked myself, especially on hard days, I would ask myself, like, if I had all the money in the world and I never had to work, what would I wake up in the morning and do? And the answer was always exactly what I was doing. And that was enough for me to know that I was where I needed to be and self-assuring enough to like not be stressed about money or second guess myself. Like I was doing what made me happy and what I'm passionate about. And that's how I knew this is what I was meant for. Setting goals is never, that's the effortless part for me. I set goals regularly and that just kind of lets me know where to point myself. And if for some reason I have a slower day and I'm like, okay, well, what can I do to continue moving forward? Then I take a look at those goals and break them down further into actionable steps that I can take. For me, I'm a climber, you know, so I usually look at the top of whatever industry I'm interested in and I'm like, that's where I want to be. So I'm not at the top of the industry. So there's obviously a ways for me to go. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot for me to be motivated to keep moving forward. I'm not at all concerned about automation or AI or anything like that. I have been approached multiple times by different companies asking to buy the rights to my voice. I'm not interested in that type of thing, obviously. But no, I, I think my approach to you know, the future of the industry and potential things with automation and AI and things that could be kind of doom and gloom. In my personal life, I spend a lot of time assessing my belief system about how life is. And, you know, you can look one way and everything is doom and gloom and you can look the other way and things are abundance and prosperity, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. And I find that the more relaxed I am about things and the more that I trust my path and the more that I just do what I know is meant for me and not fuss too much about what's coming down the pipe and all these potentials, the better off I am. Back in the day when they came out with cars, everyone was, you know, had their hands up in the air and they were all fussy about, well, they're taking away the jobs, you know, and I kind of have that same mentality when it comes to AI. I think that as humans, we're creators, you know, and that's what we do. We will always find things to create and focus on and move forward. And as certain jobs get replaced, other jobs get created. And as a creator myself, whenever I feel anxious about something or whenever I feel less secure about where I am, I find that the remedy is to just get up and make something. And whenever I'm creating something, that's when I'm happiest. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And when I focus on my passion and I keep my energy right and I keep my attitude positive, then I tend to just attract exactly what's meant for me and I don't have to worry so much. 
Whereas if I find that I'm kind of falling into this nervousness of like, you know, making sure that I'm safe and making sure that nothing's coming to get my job or is going to threaten my income, it's as if I carry that energy with me and whether people realize it or not, they pick up on it. And without the realization of it, it can send you down a path that will reflect that reality back to you. And you don't realize how it, in a way, became a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's just the approach that I take. I try to just focus on the positive. And even with voiceover, I'm not afraid of flooding the voiceover market. I think that all of us have passions and desires inside of us, and we are meant to have them. I don't believe in gatekeeping. I think that we are all meant to do what we love, and we're all meant to be happy about what we're doing every single day, and there's enough room on the boat. If somebody starts following the path of voiceover, maybe somewhere down the line, that path to voiceover opens up another avenue, and they find themselves producing more, or they find themselves writing more, or they find different niches that are meant for them. And it was meant for them all along, and they didn't destroy the world of voiceover because there are too many people waiting in line to get a voiceover job. And that's kind of the approach that I take. Nastasia discusses how she helps others begin their voiceover careers via her YouTube channel and some of her upcoming projects. Hey guys, my name is Nastasia. I am a self-made voice actor. I work from home, I make money using my voice, and I was able to quit my day job and do this as my full-time career. So if you're sitting at home and you're I thinking to yourself- I just kind of had the impulse early on. It felt like it was a good decision to start a YouTube channel. I don't think I had a clear idea of why. Looking, you know, now that I am where I am, I understand the importance of it. But I think when I first started it, it was more like, you know, I let my gut lead me a lot. And, you know, if I get impulses to do something or if I just feel like I should do something, then I'll go ahead and do it. And that was the feeling I got in the beginning. It was cathartic for me because for so many years it was me, myself and I, like I had no one to talk to about any of it that would understand or reflect something positive back to me when I spoke about it. If I vented some kind of nervousness or uncertainty to anybody, they would reflect that back because if I was uncertain, then they were even more uncertain, you know, things like that. So I felt like I couldn't really talk to anybody about it. Whenever I started the YouTube channel, it felt very cathartic because I took the approach of like, if I could just talk to my past self when I was getting started, this is what would have changed everything for me. This is what would have like helped me so much feel that it was possible. Basically, like, yeah, the message I started giving was something that I had desperately needed when I started. And then I saw that people appreciated the information and it wasn't falling on deaf ears, which even if it did, it would have been fine. It could have been like a personal diary for myself. Who knows? But that's kind of how it started. And then as I continued along the path, I started getting clients from my YouTube channel. I started to understand how the world works in relation to exposure through social media and using technology to get connected to other people because seldom do we meet people organically face to face these days. And I started to realize the importance of building a face for yourself on the internet when people are wanting to check your credibility. All of those are just benefits from starting the channel. Because I give all of this information for free and you can find plenty of coaches who give the same information, but you're paying them $150 an hour for it. People kind of ask me or raise their eyebrows a little bit, especially people from older generations about like, well, don't you want to monetize that? Don't you want to make money on that? 
And I don't have that mentality. Education isn't part of my career path. I don't want to become a full-time educator. I don't really care at this moment to create e-learning courses. And that's a whole full-time job that I don't care to focus on. I'm happy to just give the information for free. And I think that no matter what, it will come back to me. I am excited to give people free information. I love the age of free information. And I think that it's done amazing things. And I think we'll all just continue to create. My sister and I are working on a fiction novel. It's not anywhere close to being done. And I'm not in any kind of rush. It could take 10 years for all I care. You know, I'm enjoying the process of it. Right now, my income is very consistent. I tend to know more or less one or two things that are going to be coming down the pipe for the following week. But still, every single week, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to be working on. I know the moment that I get an order from a client that that's what I'll work on this week. That's awesome. And that's something that I definitely worked towards, something that had enough momentum where I'm not fishing for every fish that comes in my net, you know, and I can rely on it just being there whenever it needs to be there. And now what I'd like to do is I'm getting the auditions for very big projects on big TV networks and big movie studios and things like that. And if I can land something that is series-based where I can have regular income, know exactly how much I expect to make, then that would free up a lot of my time. That's already in the works and it's just a matter of landing those gigs. What do I want after that? And how do I want to grow after that? And that's always my question of how do I want to keep growing and where do I want to find myself next? So that being said, I've been auditioning more for on-film projects. And I'll probably lean into that a little bit, but I'm also interested in just making projects, whether it's audio dramas or short films or, you know, anything like that. But I'm starting to set my sights somewhere in that direction. I'm in the middle of building a mobile studio trailer. I'm really excited about that. I've had this idea for a long while to be able to hit the road while I'm recording. I feel like I have the most perfect job on the planet. And the only thing that isn't the most exciting is that I'm stuck in a closet all day, every day. I'm basically in my home 24-7, except whenever I'm leaving for dinner or going to some of my classes. And I'm definitely an explorer and I like to travel. And I would also like to be able to go places that inspire me so I can have some more easily creative inspiration when I sit down behind the mic. So that being said, getting a traveling trailer that I can record from was an obvious next step. You know, I'm almost done with getting the studio part set up. I'm finishing it up this week and I'm going to test some recordings out. We're going out of town next week to Florida. That's what I've been working on. Nastasia offers her advice for those interested in a voiceover career, as well as her advice for all content creators. Absolutely anybody can be a voice actor. I don't consider myself to have any kind of special voice. There is a place for everyone. At the same time, you know, people get caught up on things like whether they're too old, whether they don't have the right sound, you know, whether, like, whatever it is. And my advice to that kind of mentality is that you're part of a demographic and your demographic exists. When a demographic exists, you can be the voice that speaks to it because you are of that demographic. There's a place for everybody.
try not to let those self-esteem thoughts kind of crowd your mind whenever you're scared to take that leap or whenever you're looking into the unknown and you don't know what's to come. Just try to like let yourself do what those impulses are telling you that you think will make you happy. And I think you'll always find something that is worthwhile. In terms of saturated markets, again, I adopted the belief early on that I will never worry myself about a saturated market. In so many fields, they talk about saturated markets. I remember for a brief second in college, I thought maybe I should be an attorney because they make a lot of money. All I heard back was, well, that's a saturated market. Everyone and their mom is an attorney right now. Or same thing with anything, really. Anything in the arts, everyone says is saturated. That was something I heard over and over again. And then whenever I was battling with myself to give myself permission to pursue acting, I was watching TV and I saw these kids. You always have kids that are on TV and I'm like, here I am fussing about whether I'm too old because I'm above 18 and everyone says that you need to get started when you're a kid if you want to make anything of yourself. And there will always be a need and there will always be someone that's starting from scratch that will succeed. And it's not like you look at it and it was so saturated that everyone in that industry is now 50 years old because they've held every position available for the past 20 years. It doesn't exist, the things don't work that way. When people talk about saturated markets, I feel like that's a fear-based mentality of what if I'm not good enough to succeed. And when you're starting on that foot, you're not going to naturally find the right path to take because you're always gonna be starting from a perspective of fear. If you're wanting to get into voiceover today, I would say, yeah, you need to buy a microphone. You need to buy some basic equipment. And I've spoken about on my channel different things that you need, but basically you need a microphone, a soundproof space, a preamp, and your computer. It's super, I mean, in my perspective, it's super affordable. I think I got started for maybe 150 bucks. I bought an Audio-Technica AT2020. I think it was $100 for my first mic. And I think you can find even cheaper, decent mics on the market. I was recording from a closet that was filled with clothes and had some extra foam and things like that, which was perfectly fine for what I was doing. And that's hardly any investment there. And then a preamp I got secondhand on like eBay or something like that. That was like $70. So I would buy some equipment and I would start messing around with it, learning how things work, learning how you want to edit your files. So I would probably sit down and just for yourself, start recording books and things like that until you feel comfortable with how your audio is sounding, until you feel comfortable with the quality that you would be submitting to a client. And then I would, I would hop on Fiverr. Fiverr doesn't require you to pay a membership. When I first started, I think I tried Voices.com and it was like $50 a month, which was a lot for me at the time. And I didn't understand how any of it worked. It was a money suck. I am not a fan of pay-to-plays like that. But I would find a platform or go on ACX and you can audition for free for audiobooks. And I would just focus on getting my first gig and seeing what that process is like. And I think that's, that's a good starting point. Big picture advice for content creators. I guess there's nothing to it but to do it. One of the trickiest things that you do whenever you're getting started with creating content is you don't know where to start and you're plagued with thoughts of doubt, I would say just bite the bullet and accept that the first 
handful of projects that you do are going to suck. Five years down the road, you know that you're going to look back at the things that you created and just cringe and hope that nobody sees them or that they never reach the light of day again. But there's no other way to do it. You just got to get in there and get started. Pick up a camera, pick up a brush, whatever it is that you're interested in doing. Have that childlike mentality and just start playing, you know, and I think when you give yourself that permission and you can act like a kid again, then you inevitably find exactly where you're meant to be. I think all of my handles are Nastasia Marquez. So I'm on YouTube, Instagram. I have a website and it's all N-A-S-T-A-S-I-A-M-A-R-Q-U-E-Z. Thanks for listening to Creators by Moonlight. Email the show at creatorsbymoonlight at gmail.com and follow the show on social at creatorsbymoonlight.com.